0: out somewhere and so i'm thankful for family turn with me again this morning to john the fourth chapter <coughs> and i'm going to take off where i was last week and then i'll expand it to a little bit more my reasons for doing this and i've been talking about the last days even though the title doesn't enlist that idea but it is for the last days in other words, things that we need to know, we need to understand, and we need to embrace in these last days. I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Usually we talk, when a person talks about gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, they talk about someone, you know, some leadership, clergy, some ordination people, whatever that looks like, uh, that they are supposed to be endowed with the gifts of the Spirit. But actually, it's the body of Christ. Yes. Everybody here should be operating and living and existing and knowing what your gifts are. We'll get into that today, and hopefully before this day is, is out, you will know what the gift of the Holy Spirit that you carry, maybe more than one. Yes. Very intentionally for you to know that. Yes. Especially with grandparents, parents and grandparents, to know what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are because they will enable you to cover your family and to thwart off the, the works of the enemy. So much of the time, we just, we try to deal with things in the natural, but we're in a very supernatural world, more now than any other time. There is the release of the kingdom of darkness more, well, it just seems like it is, seems like it, well, it is having more access than any other time. So we need to, as Paul says, do not be ignorant or unaware of the devices of the enemy, and I can literally say the devices that you carry in your pocket that is a device of the enemy or device of good. I mean, who would want to go back the days without it? Well, I wouldn't, but I'll deal with it, the bad the bad part of that. So this morning in worship, I was, as we were worshiping the Lord, I heard the Holy Spirit say something, brought back to a conversation that I was hearing a, psych, a, a Christian psychologist, and they were ministering to a couple, and I happened to be part of that. And this is what he was saying to them. You need to manage your expectations. Anyone ever heard that? You need to manage your expectations. I hadn't thought of this in a long, long time. Brought back the conversation was worship. And I heard the Holy Spirit loudly say inside of me, I want to manage your expectations. But when you manage your expectations, it falls so much lower than what I expect. We tend, you'll see it in John the 4th chapter as well, We tend to lower expectations based on to prevent being hurt or disappointed. I'll say that again. We manage expectations so that we'll not be hurt or disappointed. And so if I don't expect anything, anything that happens is okay. But when I expect something and it doesn't measure up to that, then I get disappointed. You've heard me give my definition of disappointment. You won't find it in a dictionary, but I like it. Disappointment is a preconceived idea that's not God's. God does not disappoint. He only appoints. He's appointed your harvest. He's appointed your time. So when we get disappointed, it's because we had an expectation that God had no say in. The Bible talks about that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, that actually means that we just don't come up with our own plan, and then we take off and hope God catches up with us. It means that ahead of time, He has placed inside of us a direction, and those steps are ordered of the Lord. When you know that you're being ordered of the Lord, and at times your surroundings seemed a little difficult, it seems strange, you still know that you're being ordered of the Lord. And you pass through things that are un- un- misunderstood, pass through times when you don't know what's going on, but you know that your steps are order of the Lord. You can pass through those things knowing that I'm going to get to the other side and it's going to be good. There's times that God will test us for trusting Him when nothing else around us gives us a feeling to trust. He becomes a signpost that we can can see like there's dead ahead, there's a sharp curve there, better slow down. And if we don't slow down, then we wonder, what, God, you should have took care of it. Well, I tried to. There's signposts there. So when we hear the Holy Spirit say unto us, I want to be the one to manage your expectations But if I'm expecting nothing, then I'll not be disappointed when nothing happens. So today, before we leave this building, my prayer for all of us is that our expectations would be raised to the level of supernatural ability. Which is beyond our ability to make happen. So when you're praying and believing God for something, if it is a God-filled prayer, it will always go beyond what you can ask or think, yes. according to the power that works within us. So, if we're praying according to Ephesians 3.20, according to the power that works in us, it will always be beyond our ability to make happen. Yes. So, when we're looking at supernatural, and different natural, I made this statement last week, supernatural is so speeded up, it, it outruns natural. Natural. So when something happens supernatural, your natural thinking and mind can't keep up with it. You're just trying to figure out. So to operate in the natural, I have to slow down the supernatural and say, God, I need to process this. So if we're trying to process what God's doing, we always mess up. I need to figure out, connect the dots, why are you doing this, why are you doing that? And if I'm processing it mentally through my own natural sense, I will start directing it. The way that I, I can see it happening going, because when you hear people say I can't see that happening, it means that I'm choosing to only see what I can make happen. So when we operate in the supernatural, we're trusting God to operate at the speed of revelation, not the speed of my understanding. Yes. Proverbs says, "Lean not to what yes. to our own understanding." Doesn't mean He doesn't have an understanding. Lean not to our own understanding. Trust Him in all of our ways, and and He'll bring it to pass. So there's an understanding that we have that's based upon all the natural senses that we can muster. And when the natural understanding around us doesn't match up. For instance, if you're believing God for a a job, better job, or believing for something more, and yet you think about, I'm just going to pray based upon what my income is right now and the house that I can afford, and I'm not saying by any means you should get outside of what your income should be. But when you only limit yourself by what's always been and seen, then you only receive all that you, the same that you always have had. That's manage your expectation that this is what I deserve. This is what I grew up in. My parents were this. My, everything around us, our generations were this. And so we tend to believe in what has already happened in the past. But when you, when you realize that you've been born again, not a corruptible seed, which is the generations past, but born again of an incorruptible seed. Now the incorruptible seed is an invisible seed of the Spirit of God that causes new birth to happen inside of us. And when that takes place, now we're operating at a supernatural level. Jesus said in John 18, verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. He's speaking to Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. Because Pilate was trying to say, Geographically, tell me where your kingdom is, I can find your army and I know more about you because I can see it in the natural. Jesus was letting him know, which he didn't understand, my kingdom does not move at the speed of an army of the, this realm. My kingdom is not of this realm, but there is a kingdom, Basilea, the dominion, rulership, governance of a king. And it's ruling in a higher place than there. So my point is this, to move in the supernatural, we have to move out of this natural I'm I'm not talking about being crazy. But move into the expectation that in that realm all things are possible to them that doubt, curse, negative. That's that's the lower end of it. But to those who believe. Believing is not a mental thing because only if we believe that even the devils believe and tremble. So all we've come up to is a demonic level. Sorry, that's what it says. <laughs> I didn't write it. So that's the beginning stage. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. So then we move into the area of faith. Faith is not only a noun, but it's also a verb. Yes. We, if you've ta- someone asks you, what is your faith? You could say, I'm my Christian faith. That's a noun. That's who I am. But according to the Bible, the word faith... The word pistas it moves in a verb which means something you act upon and something you're doing. As you believe in his word, you're moving towards his word. That's a verb that accomplishes something which releases the supernatural. Without faith, the verb, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right. Pleasing God is at this level, not down here doing works, you know, doing the good deeds and all that. Those things we should do because of who we are. But to move in that supernatural level and realm means that I have to find myself seeing eye to eye with him and thinking the way he thinks. Now, we're in a postmodern culture. That word, we can use that word. A lot of people are using it. Literally means that every man has the right to do what is right in his own eyes. That was in the days when the judges on the earth and everybody did that which they thought was good. You can rename yourself, use a different pronoun, you can call yourself anything. You can call yourself a dog, you can marry your dog, you can be happy with your dog, you know. Some people would only get along with their dog, so I understand that. And so when we try to reinvent what God said about us, we've lowered our identity to something that is superficial, below natural, And now we're operating at the base, earthy point of this world. And then the God of this world, when we place ourselves under there, we're placing ourselves under the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, the God of this world had blinded their eyes that they cannot see the hope, expectation of the gospel of the kingdom. So if we submit ourselves to the God of all creation that we're not operating in the earthy realm, but we're operating where he sits and where he judges his enemies. In fact, Psalms 2 says, he that sits in the heavens, what does he do? He laughs <clears throat> because he's seeing it from the perspective of eternity. And yet when other people get so low, the God of this world operates and works in them, they're not laughing, they're, they're moaning, they're crying, and they're, they're depressed. Everything happens, you know, against them. So, this morning I want us to look at how the Holy Spirit greater is He, 1 John, greater is He that's within us than He that's in the world. There's a clash of two kingdoms going on, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. And whichever one we submit to, the rulership of that, that we become covered by or protected by. If we're submitting to the kingdoms of this world, we're just hoping for the best. When we're submitted, submission means coming under the mission, of the kingdoms of God, the creator of the universe, then there's all things are possible because we're submitted and believing unto him. <clears throat> I don't want to re-preach what I said last week, but I want to pick up a few verses to connect where I'm going to go uh, this morning. Pick up, it pick up verse 10. I think I went down 1, 2, 10. This was Jesus having an encounter with the woman at the well. It's very direct where he says she, must be that she goes through Samaria. Samaria was off the grid for most Jews. It didn't mean they couldn't go there. But most of the time they didn't go there because of the prejudice and the resistance they found. It wasn't their turf at all. When Jesus said, I must needs go there, <clears throat> it wasn't because he left something there, had a relative to visit there. He was led by the Spirit. When Romans talks about those who are led by the Spirit are what? The sons of God. So, Jesus is giving us a lesson very sub, subliminally, but the sons of God are led outside of the natural and the norm. That's right. So, going that way, was setting up for a supernatural encounter. Comes to the woman of the well. You know the story. He starts out talking to her in a very natural way, and she, all she sees him, number one is, why are you talking to me? I'm a woman and I'm a Samaritan. That is totally outside of what I've been used to because I know what's in your heart. I assume that you don't like me and you're here trying to get me to serve you and I'm at the well. She's there at the well by herself that time of day because none of the other women in the city wanted anything to do with her because of her background. She was shunned. She was an outcast. Interesting enough, Jesus goes to this one person who's having, being disenfranchised by the world and her culture around us. And he goes to her because he knows the end from the beginning, according to Isaiah 46. He knows the end is because there's going to be a move of God and revival start with one who's an outcast of this world. Isn't interesting. God takes the foolish things and confounds the wise. And when he confounds the wise, he releases releases the wisdom of God. All pick picking up verse 10. Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God, what like I said last week, He uses a very specific word. Their gift, dore, d o r a e h, and dore means not. It means a gift that's already paid for, but more specifically, it is a, a gift that is given to a lover or someone that's very intimate in your life. Be like you giving it to a spouse. It's not a general gift like a gift card, it is very specific that you don't want anyone else to know, but it's something between the two of you. So understanding that Jesus says to her, if you knew intimacy, if you know, knew the, the gift of God and who it is saying to you, you would be asking of Him. Number one, if we, if we only pray by how we view Him theologically, we will only pray in a very broad sense. But if we know who He is in that very intimate way, you will ask of him in something that's way out of the ordinary. I will ask Diane for something. I will ask her to help us something, ask her to be a part of something that I wouldn't ask anybody else to. So when he says to her, he wasn't using the word charismata, and we'll get in a moment, which are gifts. So this time he said, if you knew the gift of God, want to make distinction today, the difference between the gift of God and the gifts of the Spirit are about how close and intimate we are. The gifts of the Spirit are the acts or actions from the body of Christ, but if one doesn't know the gift of God, they'll, no, they'll not be able to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, because the two have to be connected. To operate, to see the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit operate, one must know the giver of the gifts, and the giver of the authority and right to use these gifts. So there's a distinction there. So if we're going to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit in these last days operating, not just inside the church walls, which never was intended to be, though it was the body of Christ, but to be in Walmart on the job wherever you are and the need arises, how well can we pick up on the sensitivity to know that the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to engage a gift here. And if I back away from that, what I'm saying is, I don't love you, and I don't recognize your gift of intimacy in me to respond to you because it's, it's risky. And yet you paid the price, and he said, I'm just asking you to respond to that. <clears throat> I have shared this story one other time, but it's apropos of what I'm saying. I was in Korea and uh, ministering the Bible school morning and night, and I would walk a few, few blocks away. The hotel I was staying in it was a large hotel, international hotel first morning there just starting out i was eating breakfast a long flight got to rest a little bit we're just kind of taking a sigh of relief and thinking about what i was going to share at the bible school praying for good interpreters translators and i and i look across the room there's a couple sitting way on the other side large ballroom type thing and the holy spirit said to me go over there i have something to say to them and I thought, mm, man, I just got off the plane. I didn't got my feet wet down on the ground. So I said to the Lord, let me finish my breakfast, and then I'll go over there. Me realize when God says something, it's not on your timetable. Right. It's not on when I get around to it, whatever that looks like. And I, so I end up, I'm having this conversation in my mind. And the Lord said, if you don't go now, it's going to be a long week at the Bible school for you. <laughs> Now I have skin in the game. So I just dropped everything at that moment, even though I was saying, uh, oh, it's gonna be cold when I get back. And I, and I actually have to well, I'm the God who answers by fire. Don't worry about your eggs. Amen. I guess that's a moot point anyway. Went over there and uh, this couple, I, so I still got I don't even know if they speak English. They look foreign to me. But and the Lord said, I'm the one who made man's mouth. So, trust me, I'll give you tongues or whatever you need. I just need you to show up. Amen. Open your mouth and I'll fill it. Yes. So, as I got a little bit closer, I could hear them speaking English. I said, Oh, okay, that's a good sign. <laughs> Sometimes you never get signs, whether it's God or not, until afterwards. Right. Right. Don't w- look for a sign, because when you know God, you don't need a sign. He's already put it in your heart. Yeah. So, I heard, overheard the conversation when I stepped up. They were loud, I didn't know what they were saying. She was very upset, obviously, with him or upset with something. And I stepped up the table, and the man looked at me and goes, Yes? And I said, I have a message from our father. And it kind of shocked him. What father are we talking about? And he said, Okay. And I said, I hear our father saying, If you'll lay down your schedules for the next six months, I will refurbish and heal what's been broken in your heart. You've been trying to operate out of a broken heart as a responsibility to everybody else, but not to him. Come aside with him. He wants to refresh you. <clears throat> and I just walked off. Went back and ate my cold eggs, <laughs> which I you know, got into your side of that, and left and got out of there quick. The next day after Bible school, after those two days of ministry meetings, I went, came down and this couple came down after me and they said, you mind if I sit with you? I thought, oh, man, here it comes. <clears throat> None of your business. You got in the middle of something. You know. So I sat down and they said, we're part of a ministry over here teaching. Have you ever heard of IHOP? And I said, if we're not talking about pancakes, I think so. <clears throat> yeah, Kansas City. We have been over here ministering for a week. And my, when you walked up, my wife was saying, I can't keep up the scheduling longer. I've heard that from my wife. <clears throat> I could prophesy that to myself. And they said, I told her, we have to keep going because we have people supporting, giving, you know, supporting us for missionaries and so on like that. And if we don't do this, we're letting down our responsibility. And I was giving her all the reasons, and I could tell it was hurting and wounding her. And then all of a sudden, this stranger Hallelujah. from Texas, no doubt, shows up and saying, God said, lay it down. Can you imagine the weird feeling that I had? I said, you know, at 7,000 miles from where I came, from here, we could have done this back home. Why didn't God do it? But for such a time as it, it was a divine encounter. Here's my point with that. God wants to make us so sensitive, and I'm not always the one that hits it right on, I can tell you that, to the point that when he says now, he wants to engage something that he's placed inside of us, some gifting, some empowerment, that we represent Him on earth as He is in heaven. First John tells us, as He is, present tense, so are we in this present world. He wants to make us so conscious, not in this setting like on Sunday morning, where it's really easy and, and safe that we can go prophesy to one another as we have and we do. But how is it to be to where you're outside of your comfort, outside of your tribe, outside of your turf, so to speak, and the Holy Spirit puts His finger on something? That moment, that's when we find out, are we a recipient of the dore of God or we're a giver of the charismata of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right. Okay, that's the introduction. I'm going to run with it. (coughs) Here it is. Pick it up in verse 10. If you knew who it was that said to you, give me a drink, you should have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She's now trying to figure out, he's talking about supernatural, she's trying to figure out something natural to operate in the supernatural. She doesn't, has known it. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. How many times have we done that? God's saying something to us that's so out of our league and so out there and you're trying to figure out how it's going to happen. Years and years ago, I was in this auditorium and here praying and I heard the Lord saying, I'm going to give you a million dollars for the kingdom of God. Begin to make a list of what you would do with it it was so far removed from my thinking. Of course, a million now is not a million as it used to be. So I just laid it down. Diane and I were in Dallas doing a presbytery for another church there at Shady Grove, and I had my back against a wall. We just got through ministering to some elders and some other people there. No one was behind me. I felt an impression, like, like they put their chin on my shoulder and said, you remember that million dollars that I talked to you about? It really was me. I turned around. There was nobody behind me. I asked, as a youth pastor sitting kind of to the side, I said, what did you say? And he said, I didn't say anything. I said, who was behind me? He looked around. There's nobody behind you. There's a wall. He thought I was nuts. I kind of did too. So with that, I realized that it's harder for God to say things to us that's out of this realm when our mind is operating in a lower realm. Yeah. Yes. And I'm, there's no time of living on God, so I'm believing for that to take place. I still have my list now. She asked, you have nothing to draw from. The well is deep. I started in my mind thinking, how would how how this be? Do we go get a loan? How, uh, The natural cannot bring in the supernatural. It is supernaturally received. It has to be supernaturally done. If God needs my help, it was not supernatural. Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drink from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Are you great? Uh, Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks his water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again, but the water that I shall give him will become in him. Now notice, in him, not from a well, but in him. So it's now being translated or transferred from the natural to the supernatural. Out of your belly in you shall flow rivers of living water, John 7. So he's talking about what I will give him become in him, a fountain springing up. And it's got life. In other words, it's spouting out of you. This water spring up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, now she gets it, Sir, give me this water that I may thirst and and not come here to draw. And he said to her, Go call your husband. All right. A couple of things that happened there. After she agrees with Jesus that you can give me this water, even though I don't understand it, but I'm asking for it. Go ahead. As Mary said to the angel, I've never been with a man, but nevertheless, at your word, let it be. We we'll need to know that in just a moment because the supernatural does not happen with natural thinking but it only operates in the realm of the word of God now so what she understood I don't I don't have a, in a, uh, she agrees with the word give me this water then God Jesus moves from from the word of knowledge speaking of her you have you have five husbands he uses the word of wisdom then on her to give her under, to wisdom to understanding, setting her up for what's getting ready to happen. Word of knowledge can give you information about something. A word of wisdom lets you know how to deal with what you do know. Amen. Right. Amen. Now, hear me. Just because you know something, wait for the wisdom of God to know what to do with it. Yes. If you don't know what to do with it, it means it's a prayer point, not a doing point. Because yes. God can say something... And we run out to try to deal with it. And we've yet to wait for the word of wisdom. The Bible said with all of your getting, get wisdom. So Solomon and everything that he asked for, he asked for wisdom. And that pleased God. He didn't ask for gold. He didn't ask for all the material things. He asked for wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing Ecclesiastes tells us. Okay. He tells her. that the five, she says you have five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. She now recognizes that you move from just a word of knowledge, set her up using word of wisdom, which means knowing that she would have to answer you that. Then she says to him, sir, I believe that you're a prophet. And if you're a prophet, then I have a prophet in front of me. Then now you're setting up something. Jesus used the word of knowledge. Use the word of wisdom and the word of prophecy, right there. The gifts of the spirit wasn't operating in the synagogue; it was operating in no place, no man's land in Sychar, near a well. Once we understand, become sensitive to wherever you are, there he wants to be. Wherever you are is an opportunity. For something miraculously and the power of God to be manifested, if I think about it, that's not Sunday morning. It's not a time for ministry. It's not a time for a certain thing. It's not a time that Alex is going to come up after worship and he's going to say something, give a word of knowledge, and and we get healing. That it is a now time. Now faith is present, and now faith is any time we say Holy Spirit. I want you to make me sensitive to what you want to do. And everyone I come in contact with, instead of looking at them and saying, how dare them, or how could you have ever gotten that big a mess? By the Spirit of the Lord, you understand knowledge that God will say something, and with that, He'll give you wisdom to know how to deal with it. Yes. But if our first response to them is, man, what a big mess you've made. I've now prejudiced myself against something that God wanted to deal with. If I've made a judgment... Actually actually cursing them, putting them in the lower position than what God intended for, then I have removed myself from the gifts of the Spirit, and now I've moved, I've moved in into a spirit of judgment. When I do that, I'm not in pleasure of the Lord. If you go back into Acts the third chapter after the day of Pentecost, Peter and James and John filled with the Holy Spirit, they go up to the temple, which they've done many times before. you know the story, they come to the gate beautiful. The word beautiful is translated there, which means gate of right timing. So here this guy's been there so many times. By, by tradition, he has the right to be there because he's been there so many years. He's got pecking order there. So when he comes up to that point and he says, silver and gold have I none, because he fastened there. So look at us, look at us. Probably every time before the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he could bypass him and think, you poor soul. I thank God that I'm not in that mess. When we think like that, we're thinking of this realm, what it would be like to be in this realm and to be in his condition. But when you're thinking in the realm of the kingdom of God, you start thinking outside of the box what the impossible says, and you look at him and says, silver and gold I have a which I know that's the realm here, but such as I have, which I just received, I received from the Holy Spirit, I give to you. And notice that that Peter didn't say, think about this and meditate on it, and we'll come back in a day or so and see how it's working for you. He took him by the hand and pulled him up. So not only did you have a prophetic word, but now you had a demonstration of the working of miracles. No, take no for an answer. Get up. When we start moving out in those kind of dimensions of the Holy Spirit, we're now moving into what the Bible says, in the last days I'll build my church, Signs and wonders will follow them that believe. The word build there is the word confirm, actually not construct. I will confirm my church with demonstrations and might and power of the miraculous kind. I just looked up through some Bible dictionaries to find out what the word miracle meant. Oh, my goodness. There are so many definitions. I mean, some of them are ridiculous to the sublime. To the supernatural voidance of the kingdom of the one who sits on the throne, I mean, Man, I don't even get it. So I boiled it down to this. The dominion of the king of all creation that invades the natural world to release his glory. It's a miracle. In essence, is anything that I can't do on my own, I need a miracle to do it. He just simply needs there to be faith stood in that way, and then he comes and moves on behalf of that. Peter, James, and John saw a big difference. First time they were operating in in the gifts of the Spirit. Before that time, it had never been uh, even talked about. Paul had not written about it, and yet they were demonstrating it. Because greater is he on the inside than what's on the outside. Here's the issue. I've had people tell me, said, my passion is to do this. My passion is to have this ministry. My passion is to do something else. Let me just simply say this gently. Your passion has no anointing on it. Just because you have a passion doesn't do anything. It means that you have a focus, but until you step out and and begin to ask for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it's your passion just giving to someone else, trying to make them impassioned about it. But we find every time Jesus did a miracle, he was moved with compassion. The word is spalagna, different than passion. I can have a personal passion based on my my personality and what I like and what I'd like to see happen, people to know me about it. But compassion is the internal combustion of the mercy of God that overwhelms you so much that you step out into realms that you have no understanding of. Signs and wonders begin to happen. So it has to move from the natural thinking to move at the speed of revelation for it to move into that point. All right. Jesus makes the connection In John 4, that I've never seen before and read this verse many, many times. Pick it up where she recognizes he's a prophet and says to him, She could have asked him any questions she could have because he was a prophet. And the one question she asks him is, Tell me about worship. She could have said, How come I've got such rotten experiences with men? How come these women of this city are just so mean? He could have explained all of that, some kind of psychological mumbo jumbo. Not all of it's that, but sometimes it is. But the bottom line is, I want to know about worship. Think about it. The deepest longing part of her being that is eternal was not to figure out the whole water issue, how do I get it and how do I get out back before anybody sees me. But the deepest longing in every one of us is the issue of worship. What we'll be doing eternally is worship. Well, preaching will cease. We get to heaven. The first war was over worship. First, first uh, I mean, Isaiah 1, or Isaiah 14 tells us that. The last war we see in, in uh, Revelation is going to be over worship, Mark of the Beast, so on. So if worship is the first and last wars in the heavenly, how much more is it so much the enemy wants to come and attack us in the area that we have Empowerment yes. and the power of the Holy Spirit is to worship. Distractions, do everything else but worship. Yes. <clears throat> we said in uh, Chronicles, go out and set the singers out front, not the battle's mine. It's supernatural, but you've got to do your part, which is just simply obey. Paul and Silas in prison at midnight. They could have been complaining, upset, bothered, managing expectations. I didn't think I was going to get into this mess and yet they begin to sing praise unto the Lord, and the, whole, and the Spirit of God sends an angel and shows up, shakes the gel open, and everything changes. Supernatural, from what seems like is a natural thing that they've done to so many people has now become supernatural because they're, they're seeing it from a different perspective. Instead of complaining, upset, negative, But I'm trusting God for the supernatural. When you step into the supernatural realm, you, begin, you can see by the Spirit that only God can do this. God, if you don't show up, then to be absent from the body is going to be present with the Lord. I'm going to win either way. <clears throat> yeah. Jesus explains to her, and here's the connection. Pick it up in verse 21. She was thinking that in Mount Gerizim, which is the mountain in Syria, Samaria... And she said, I know what you Jews believe, that it's in Jerusalem, Mount Zion is a place of worship. Tell me, which mountain do I go to? And Jesus says to her, here's the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The Old Testament was all about doing the outward rituals and ceremonies. Jesus said, time will come, and now is, right now, right now. The true worshipers. Now, the word true there means unveiled, but it means also the word for revelation. The worshipers that are operating in Revelation will worship the Father, neither in this mountain or that in any mountain, but the time will come when the true worshipers, those who worship by Revelation, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> if all we do is read list songs off the screen, then we're singers. Worship is not about the sound, the tone, the right melody, the right texture. Those things happen to make, gives us a sense of natural outward sense to help maybe get us in the mood to get there. But we're carriers of the spirit of worship. Worship is not all about music and sound. Worship is how we act towards God in every moment and every time. I'm honoring the Lord with who I am. We're honoring the Lord with who, what we are. In, in the secret place, the public place, the out of the way place, it is act worship. So, worship can come through prophetic, it can come through word of knowledge, it can come through the gifts of the Spirit, but it's part of worship because it's meaning I love Him and I want to show forth His representation. So, I love what we do here in worship, but this is not the only time we worship. Every moment all time, it is worship. In fact, it talks about in Philippians, we are the, the circumcisions that worship the Lord by revelation, not from the Old Testament. So Jesus says, the time is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now, here's the next part of that. Begin verse uh, 24. For God is a spirit, supernatural. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth, must worship Him supernaturally. Yeah. If worship is a connecting part For supernatural and signs and wonders and miracles then it means that I have to appeal to who he is by the spirit of the Lord if you're looking for a miracle start with a point of worship if you're looking to perform a miracle to see God through your own hands a miracle then begin to enter into worship he's the only one that can do it Here's the biggest issue with people in ministry is they think somehow or another that what they do in their life, if they don't do it right, God, God will not show up. I've got to do it exactly right or God won't show up. Or I'm concerned that I don't get credit for it. When you come to the point that it doesn't matter who gets credit for it, now you can be used. When we operate out from the point of of gifting to be recognized and want credit for it, then we can have a gift without anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke, not the gift. The gift is simply a way that, a tool that it flows through an individual, but it takes the anointing to flow through the individual to make a transformation or a power change among them. All right, look in 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to quickly read these. I can run through them quick. These are the gifts of the Spirit. Being in verse 7, <clears throat> verse Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit, capitalized Spirit, meaning Holy Spirit, is given to each one that we can all profit. Not the one doing it, but the, those that are receiving it. For to one is given the word of wisdom. I'm not going to spend time talking about a lot of these. I want to get to the main one. The word of wisdom through the Spirit To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Every time, by the same Spirit, by the same Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. You can't disconnect the Holy Spirit from the gifts of the Spirit. To another, gifts of healing of the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. What causes the gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow easily is having, first of all, the gift of God. Then comes the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus is the gift from our Father. God so loved the world that he gave us his Son. Jesus goes on to say in, in John the 16th chapter... I would suggest to you that memorize John 14, John 15, and John 16. talks a lot about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, how He works, not grieving the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit. When you grieve the Holy Spirit, you feel no sensitivity and no longing to be in the presence of God. <clears throat> when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we are, we are like numb to the things of the Spirit of God. So, when He talks about God so loved the world, He gave us a gift. The gift of His Son destroyed the works of the devil, 1 John 3, 3 8. For this very purpose, the Son of Man was manifested, and unveiled yes. to destroy the works of the devil. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for us just to enjoy, <clears throat> bless ourselves, but it's for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil. So where there's prophecy, it is destroying the lies that the devil would say to another individual. So when we say the gifts of healing is to destroy the sickness that the devil would try to put on someone and would cause them to feel like they were rejected and neglected by God. So all of these gifts are to destroy the works of the devil. My question, and please don't raise your hand, when is the last time or have you ever allowed a gift of the Holy Spirit to work through you. But how many times have you prayed hoping that the Lord would send someone with the gift of the Holy Spirit to work through you? Uh, If you went into 1 Corinthians 14, he tells us it's really simple. That we can, here it is, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love, which is the divine connector that causes the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't love people, you'll have difficulty flowing in the things of the Spirit of God. If you find yourself in judgmental, continually giving opinions about people and what they should do and what they shouldn't do, and why did you do that and all of those things, and you've lost the love of God because as we've done it to them, we do it to Him. not saying it's easy. It takes the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. Pursue love. And we ask for, desire, have a hunger for, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts does not come by accident. We ask for them. When I was 17, 18 years old, probably 18 because it was right between senior and going to high school. I was in a church, been in a denominational church, spirit-filled church, but they didn't believe in prophecy so much. Not so much at all. <clears throat> so a friend invited me to go to this church. If it hadn't been for the, the prophetic word, God saying something invoked into my heart the secrets of my own heart that I, no one ever knew except me only, I would have walked out of that place because it was scary. They were dancing with their eyes open and they seemed happy about it. Because what I was told about dancing in the spirit was that you just had to be plumb out of your mind and knock over some chairs and whack a few people and helicopter people and, and you know, man, they were in the spirit today. Then you have a healing line for those who got hit. (laughs) So these people were dancing with their eyes open they were enjoying it. I thought, well, that's not God. My mindset was told this is what it is and so this is not. So the lady snuck up behind me and she gave, laid her hands on me and began to speak things that only I knew and an encounter I had underneath a cottonwood tree. She didn't mention cottonwood tree but outside an encounter with the Lord. I fell face forward and I, after I, when I got up nobody else was around. It was transformative at that moment. If somebody had not had the gift of the Spirit in that place I wouldn't be here today. Can God do it another way? Sure. How much so, more so that we can operate like this in a restaurant? You can have a, someone come up to the table waiting on you, and a word of knowledge comes to you Amen. and saying, um, how's school going for you? You just threw out a word of knowledge, and then they come back with something, and then word of wisdom, and then God would say. You were at the well of their encounter. That was the Samaritan well, and you had an encounter with him. You, you possess the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I say it's not now time, Holy Spirit. It's not your day. Only on Sunday, you're the spirit of Sunday. <laughs> holy means exclusive use of at any time, at any place. That's what word Haggaios Holy is. <clears throat> Just to consider what it would be like if for everybody in this room that we started looking for an opportunity to show forth the glory of God. We have tended to have taught in church life a consumer mentality. We come to receive, we come to eat, we come to get something. But if we're a distributor, which means we're the family franchise, the kingdom of God, the family of God, as a distributor, and we have the keys of the kingdom to distribute to wherever we are the, the manifest glory and presence of God, think what would happen. If we done it to Him, to these least, then we've done it to the Lord. And when we stand before Him, we're rewarded and honored for how we represented Him on earth. The Western church has got to be shifted from a consumer mentality to a distributor Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came and distributed on all of them, severally as he will, the tongues of fire. The five symbols of the Holy Spirit, interesting look like dove, which means the attitude, voice of God, dove comes down upon Jesus' baptism, like a dove a voice comes and says to him. Fire, which is the, the renovation of God, the demolition, if you will, of God, Also, it is the receiving of gifts offered to the Lord, the fire of God. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. And then we see the wind of the Holy Spirit showing up in Acts chapter 2. He comes and fills the whole house with the wind. John describes it, said it's like the Holy Spirit. The wind is like the Holy Spirit. We don't know where He comes or where He goes. It's the free, the wind is the freedom and liberty, also the mystery of God. I can't control it. Nobody's going to blow in and blow out, so I'm just going to get in the middle of it and let him blow over me. And then we have the oil, which is revelation, brings the light and revelation. The oil of the Holy Spirit is part of the anointing or empowerment of the Holy Spirit. All of these symbols speak something of the nature, also empowerment of the gifts as well. And then lastly, water. We could take a week on each one of these symbols. But then Ephesians says... It's the washing of the water of the Word. All of these elements have some divine connection with the Word. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are connected to the Word. The power of the Holy Spirit is connected to the Word. So I want to just look at this for a moment. Is everything about the gifts of the Holy Spirit is relative and connected to the Word. Yes. Perhaps maybe the reason we don't operate more in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that we don't have the depth of the Word. It's possible to be preached to and have a listening ear, but not a hearing. Yeah. Amen. Jesus even talks about be careful for how you hear, not how you listen. Diane says, You're listening to me? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to you. I don't know what you're saying, but I'm listening to you. It's because I got my ear stuck in the TV and she's in the room. and I hear a voice crying in the wilderness. But I'm distracted over here with this. So I'm listening, but I'm not hearing. Because hearing gives, the understand, gives understanding exactly what you said, and I know I need to pay attention because there's going to be questions later. <laughs> when the, the Holy Spirit, not only is a listening to where we're around him, But hearing is I'm imparting something to you. Jesus said in John 6 and verse 63, the words I speak are not just vocabulary, not just the language, they are spirit and life. So hold on to that too. Every time that you declare the word of God, that the Holy Spirit is made known to you, it has become now spirit and life. That is the substance of the gift of the Holy Spirit. What the Word says has now become substance and the quickening power of the Holy Spirit now has become life. What makes a transformation a person's life is when you grab hold of the Word and have the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do the Word, it's not the hearers of the Word only but the doers of the Word, James says justified. So something is transformed at that point in line. John the first chapter, verse 1 which I suggest everybody memorize John 1. In fact, just get a hold of the whole book of John. It'd be good. When I was a young guy, I remembered, just memorized pretty much all of chapter 1, John 1, because somehow or another it was easier to remember. In the beginning, the word beginning is the word, especially in the Old Testament, which means vibration. Something was vibrating or being said. What caused everything to come together in the beginning is because, and God said. Yes. Creation comes because God says. So if we're believing for some kind of change, we've got to move into God said. Yeah. And I understand we're in a time where people are throwing that word around so easily. God said this, God said that. And if he didn't say that, then they've used God's name in vain. Because right. God's name has is not in vain. His name his Word will not return void. It will accomplish that which He sent. For it was inside of that Word, the DNA of God will accomplish, multiply what He sent it to do. Isaiah 55. All right. In the beginning was the Word. No, that's capitalized, not the Word that's in, written in pages. That's, this is Logos. This is a book. He's talking about the Word, which is spirit. Jesus said, God is a Spirit. So, therefore, I must worship him in spirit. The Word is spirit, so I have to worship him through the, with the Word of God inside. Understanding how he wants to be worshipped, the Bible tells us the Word of God helps us to do that. So, when we're worshipping according to the Word, then we're operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, looking for a place to pour out the Word motivated by the Spirit. I got that? Paul said the word without the spirit is a dead letter. He's talking about the old law. That if I I quote all the old law, quote quote the the Talmud, the Mitzvah, and all the commentary that goes with it, and yet does it bring life to me, then I have got the word without the spirit is a dead letter. It points to, gives me symbols, but I haven't stepped into the reality. I don't want to live in the symbols of the word. I want to live in the reality of the word. All right. Word is with God in the very creation time this should be elementary to you Word was with God because the Word there His Son Jesus Christ the Word was with them present Holy Spirit was there present as well and the Word was God you cannot separate the Word from the Son and the Father the Father and Son made covenant you see back in the days of Genesis 15 with Abraham the Father and the Son made covenant not Not with us, but in in behalf of us. Man fails in covenant, but the Father and the Son, when they covenant together. So, he said, when I see the blood or see my son, you have entrance, you have access. Not because of our goodness. So, because we fail, then God says, I'll just make covenant with my son. And everybody that comes through the door, Jesus, the Word, I accept them because of covenant with them. All right. Verse four, verse, four. All, verse three. All things were made through him, the word, and without him, the word, nothing was made that was made. Simply put, anything that was created, signs, wonders, and miracles, was not created by just happening. It wasn't a big bang theory. Unless when you speak the word, a bang happens. But the word came before the bang regardless his word became flesh we dwelt among us we beheld his glory so with that saying is that nothing was created without his word the opposite of his word there's several things opposite but the number one thing is fear Job said i fear that which came on me fear opposes the word of god fear says i don't believe in you faith says i know whom i have believed So fear is the opposite of that, plus also what opposes the Word of God is complaining, resisting, being negative. God, look how God blesses everybody else. He doesn't bless me. What's wrong with me? When we complain, we're saying back to God in a very real way, you've not done a very good job taking care of me. That means I moved out of Father's house down to the pig pen. Luke 15. To operate in these gifts of the Holy Spirit that every parent, grandparent, every person should carry this, there has to be an infilling and infusing of the Word of God. In the beginning the Word was there, and when God said, His Word was manifested. So when you're praying something, what word are you attached to it? What word are you attached to when you say, God, I'm believing for? It can't be because John down the street, he got, he got his new job. I didn't get mine, so therefore, you're no respecter of person, so therefore, let it be to me as according to John. No. He, you're right, he's no respecter of person. But he's saying, I'm coming to you, and the mercy of God, and I take lots and lots and lots of scriptures in there, let the Holy Spirit highlight and point out what are you praying. In the beginning was the Word, so in your beginning right now, there's the Word. The Word was with God, now the Word's with you. Mm -hmm. The Word was manifested in the beginning, now the Word is with you. John 16 says, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will not speak of Himself, but He will speak of everything that Jesus, the Word, is about. He'll not only be with you, but He'll be in you. So He has transferred the very creation of God inside of us that has the gifts of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do supernatural things. Let me just ask you this one question, I'm done. What, what gift are you asking God for today? He was standing here and he's handing out gifts. <clears throat> Growing up, and I would hear people talk about gifts and presents. i think, man, I'm, I'm here, it's Christmas already, bring them on. <clears throat> Presence of God, not present. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to us so that everybody else would profit. Yeah. Years ago when the Holy Spirit was saying, what gifts are you wanting? And I said, oh, I don't know, whatever. He, which he, when he's saying what I'm saying back to him, if I'm not going to profit from it, I don't, why should I do it? Because the gifts are given to us to profit other people. So if I'm not administrating or giving out the gifts then i have to look at it and say, if I'm not getting anything out of it, that's pretty selfish. But when you look at it and say, I have signed up for because of the blood of Jesus, I'm part of the body of the anointed, so therefore I'm hands, feet, mouth, tongue, you know, not head, he's the head, I'll be everything you need me to be at that moment in time, just move on me at that point. I'm convinced that wherever you are that any gift of the Holy Spirit can operate through you. There are some gifts of the Spirit that's easier for us than others because we have been exposed to it more. For some of you, it's easier to prophesy because that's what you've seen more and more. I've seen more miracles this last year than I have in many years. So I'm becoming more and more comfortable with the demonstration of miracles because I'm exposed to it. One last thing, and I'm done. Matthew, the 14th chapter... Jesus invites Peter to walk on the water with him. He's walking towards him, and Peter says, "Lord, if it's you, allow me, bid me, ask me to come." What Jesus was doing was inviting Peter to partner with him in a miracle. The miracle is it's supernatural to walk on water, and Jesus saying, "Come with me. I want to show you what it's like." To live in that realm. And he did for a moment. When he got his eyes off, he got to look on the circumstance, you know the story, how that he lost sight of the miracle, which was Jesus. The gift of God was right in front of him. He was trying to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but the gift of God was in front of him. As long as your intention and your heart's delight stays upon the gift of God, which is God's Son to us, then all of the gifts of the Spirit can operate through us. But at times we get our eyes on the gifts of the Spirit and we lose sight of the gift of God, we're going to sink. Never look back in the boat and ask anybody in the boat, uh, what do you think about that? Anybody that hadn't walked in water can't confirm what you're experiencing. I don't believe that happens. I've never done it. Well, no, you haven't. When the Word of God comes together, Psalms 103, verse 20 says, even the angels... Heed the voice of his word. Yes. Notice it's the voice of his word. His word has a voice. Yeah. So the angels heed the voice of his word. It's the word sound there is sonic. The word beyond the natural ears, sonic boom. So his word responds in the heavenlies, and angels come not because of us, but because of the word they hear. They hear differently. If that is true in the spiritual realm, it's also true in the natural or the fallen world that the devil knows the sound of our word. Nothing good happens to me. I get the crummy jobs. I always have to deal with this. Always have, nothing happens with me. You are giving off a sound, according to 1 Corinthians 14, an uncertain sound. If the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, how will they know to, to assemble for battle? There's a sound that the devil wants to hear it's doubt, fear, and unbelief. Oh, woe is me. Somebody's done me wrong, song. If that was the case, Jesus would continually be complaining the Father because the Pharisees weren't very good to him. There's a sound that penetrates the heavenlies and the Word and the Spirit have to come together. Stand with me. I've been praying for a couple of days now that God would impart to you some spiritual gift. Paul tells Timothy, neglect not the gift that was given to you with the laying on of hands. It's not the only way that the gifts come, the hands of presbytery or elders, if you will. Then he tells Timothy another place, Stir up the gift of God that is in you. Two things. Number one, receive a gift. If you've received a gift, stir it up. I can tell you that I'm not always comfortable doing this. I was teaching on the gift of prophecy in, in Dallas one time, and a bunch of us went out to eat afterwards. I'm sitting there enjoying the finished day. And the Holy Spirit's saying, you're preaching things that you are not doing. Well, that's, it wouldn't be the devil telling me that. He'd be happy. And the Lord said, it's been a while since you've operated outside of a pulpit or teaching other leaders. Said, there's someone coming to the, to the table that will serve And he started speaking to me about him. So this young man comes up to the table. And he said, do you want something to drink? There's like six of us there. And I said to him, God wants to change your major in school. And he looked at me. And I thought, oh, man, I must have missed it. He's not even connecting. And he said, who are you? I said, just someone that loves God and, and God loves you. And he just stood there for a moment. I said, are you in school? And he said, yeah, I'm going to North Texas State. Didn't. didn't. I said, oh, thank God. <laughs> and I thought, would you like to go to school if you don't? <laughs> and, he, and, he, and I said, is there been a conflict about what you're majoring? He said, do you know my dad? <clears throat> no, I don't know. He said, I wanted to take political science and my dad wanted me to take accounting. And he told me, he says, I will pay for your school as long as you take accounting, but I will not pay for you to take political science. Well, I get that. (laughs) I said, what are you going to do? He said, man, I've been trying to figure it out. I said, you believe in the Lord? He said, yeah, I'm a believer. I said, let's pray right now that God will change your father's heart or find another supernatural way to pay for your education that your desire, what well, God, what the Lord's put in your heart will not be held on provision. Amen. But be, look, provision. He said, okay. And I just grabbed his hand, prayed a quick prayer with him and he walked off. And he turned around and he goes, were y'all wanting to drink something or eat something? <laughs> <coughs> and the Lord had to remind me you're not off the clock simply because you teach it. Whatever is born of the Spirit is Spirit. What is born of the flesh, flesh. Don't teach Spirit and then operate in flesh. So I just want to encourage you after you go out to eat this afternoon, wherever it might be, just pray this prayer Holy Spirit, guide and direct me for everyone I will come in contact with. And let me be a blessing to the family business. If that means talking to someone about the kingdom of God, they come in limping, man, there you go. You don't have to have much of word of (laughs) knowledge. You just got to have compassion and just pray with them. Then God will give you wisdom how to deliver it. So I want everyone that's believing God for a a gift to come and stand here. You're not, you know what your gift is and you're not interested in, that's fine. You don't have to come. And it could very well be that you've neglected the gift. It's been a long time. Maybe it's 20 years ago. Oh, I used to do this. I used to do that. Well, how long has it been since you ate? We probably eat more regularly than we feed our spirit. All right. Can you guys kind of move that way? and let... <clears throat> I knew that I was going to do this, but I heard the Holy Spirit saying, tell them all that I'm, I'm taking note. So Father, I pray over every person standing here They've come by the drawing and the wooing of the Holy Spirit, not me. We present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto you, O God, which is our reasonable expectation of service. We first start by repenting, all of us. Father, forgive us that we've been negligent of what you've given us in the past. And we want to divinely connect with you on every access. And whatever has happened in such a way that has caused you to be grieved or grievance and caused you to shut down on the spiritual sensitivity, we ask for the healing of the Holy Spirit right now to come. Maybe you felt like you stepped out in the gift and something happened, got your hand slapped and walked away from it. Right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, lay down all of your excuses that's no longer relevant in the kingdom of God. And I had plenty of them. Lord, we ask you right now that the desire of every person's heart that you set in your word desire spiritual gifts. And everybody, will come through them differently. Prophecy will flow through you differently. Word of knowledge will flow through you differently. It'll even flow through your own hands, your own mind, and your, your ways of even doing it. It won't be like anybody else. So it's not about cloning you. He's about just wanting to flow through you. And if you'll do so, he will amaze you in what he wants to do. So just lay hands on yourself right now by the laying on the hands of presbytery. I'll ordain all of you presbyteries right now. Jesus, you are the giver of good gifts. And you said that we are to be a good steward of the manifold grace of God, which is the word charismata. Charismata gifts in the New Testament, the gifts of the Spirit. Thank you for the grace of God to receive in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And may we start with the gifts of the Holy Spirit right in our own home, through compassion and mercy, praying those things are not as though they are, declaring the goodness of God more than anything else seeing things the way you see them through the knowledge of the Son of God. We divinely connect, Lord, to the heavenlies and say, come Holy Spirit upon us. We're good ground in wanting you to move mightily in us and through us. Sharpen the gifts that we've had, but also the gifts that we've never stepped out in that you would give us new gifts that at every point in any time, any of those gifts can be manifested through us because there's one Spirit that all may profit from. We thank you for the infilling and infusing of the Holy Spirit. We make a choice today to start today, laying down all of the reasons why we haven't and we can't and all the lies of the enemy as to shame as to why we can't. We raise up the Word of the Lord that is given to us in your own scripture that says when we do so, we're honoring you so that the Word and the Spirit would come together and be the dynamic duo that would thrust the power of the Holy Spirit. We target today the focal point of every prayer will be focused and will be targeted and not just randomly scattered. No scud missiles but they're led by the Spirit to hit the target. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just thank the Lord for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, right now for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We look unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith, and it's through faith in the Word and faith in you,